exhorting one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. I've told you, you don't have to be a theologian tonight to realize the Lord's coming back really, really soon. The pieces are coming together. The book of Revelation is almost like a pop-up book that you can look on the national news and see pieces coming together. And so we see the day approaching, and the Bible says we exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. So what's the principle there our Father is conveying to us? He's conveying to us that the closer His return comes, the greater our participation should be in the will of God. We shouldn't just be planning on serving God. We should be finding ways right now to participate in the will of God here at Central Baptist Church. Now, I noticed something today that I have never seen before, and that doesn't mean it hasn't been discovered before. It's just new to me. You have to spell the word participation with the first four letters of the word part. In order to participate, you have to take a part. There is no participation without a part, correct? All you have is precipitation. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't mean participation because in order to have participation, you've got to be willing to do your part. I was reading in Nehemiah today how many times the word peace and pieces is mentioned. We know the great work that God did there through Nehemiah and through those faithful people in 52 days rebuilt the massive walls of Jerusalem. And yet when you get into the roots of it all to see how that was accomplished, the Bible mentions all of these people and it says they repaired a piece. And it says, he repaired another piece, and they repaired that piece. Do you see what's happening? All of the people took a part. They says, I'll repair this part and this place and this piece, and slowly but surely, the will of God was done. You know what that's called? Participation. Everybody took a part. Everybody participated, and the will of God was accomplished in that place. Can I tell you that's God's will for our church? What does the Bible call the church in 1 Corinthians 12? The Bible says it's a body, one body with many members. Do you know what members are? You say, well, yeah, it's that lady and that guy and that kid. No, no, no. Members are parts. We are one body but many parts. And the way we accomplish the will of God is when all of the parts are participating. Are you with me tonight? Look, it doesn't work well when some of the parts are not participating. Give an example. Have you ever been sitting with your leg crossed? Or maybe you're sitting and you have your ankles crossed and one leg go to sleep and you don't realize it. Oh, it's horrible. The waking up is the worst part. When it's just tingling and it feels like needles are poking in you, I have to confess, this happened not too long ago. I think Brother Breland was preaching. And uh, every preacher handles the invitations differently. Sometimes they'll turn it right over to the pastor. Sometimes they feel led to go into the invitation. And I give our pastors just free will as the Lord leads them in the invitation. And so I'm sitting there with my leg crossed. Brother Breland's going into the invitation. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to go on the invitation, just take it and run with it. And then he turns around and looks at me and says, Pastor, I didn't realize it, but my left foot was asleep. I'm not going to tell you what service it was so you don't go back on the live stream and watch it because I know some of you would. Brother Michael would make a meme out of it. When I stood up, I started going down. I'm like heads bowed, eyes closed real quick, okay? This is not out of reverence for the Lord. This is out of reverence for me. I don't want you to see me fall. 
It meant I wasn't functioning well, and I was just dragging my leg as I walked over toward the pulpit. Why? Because one of my members was not participating. I'm like, move, man, move. Come on. I need both of you to do the job to get me from that chair to this pulpit. I was having a hard time that night. Why? One of my members, one of my parts, was not participating. I was somewhat lame, if you will. I believe tonight, at times, our church and churches all over this country are somewhat lame. Don't take offense. We don't function as good as we could function because all of our parts are not participating. We all have a part to play. If you're a member of this body of Christ, this wonderful local body of believers, I was down at the Beams Conference the last couple of days and uh, got to meet a lot of people down there. And it was amazing how many people I met down there, preachers included, who have a history that runs through Central Baptist Church. People that were saved here. People whose families were saved here or they served here in different capacities. I'm thankful for this local body of believers. We have a great one. But understand, we're not going to reach our full potential until all of the parts are participating. That not just goes with just missions tonight. It goes with every part of our church function. You think about this, our church growth. Think about the growth of your home. Do you know, look, your home's not going to grow the way it should if you don't do your part, husbands. You've got to participate. Wives, you've got to participate. Kids, you've got to participate. You want it to grow, you've got to do your part. And so here's Paul. Let's get to the scripture tonight. Paul says, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. The Bible says you look down, very simple verse, verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, I want you to see here that Paul is showing them that the will of God progressed when everyone played their part, all right? The will of God went on in progression, and there was fruit when everybody played their part. So tonight, we're going to look at the very simple subject of participating in progress, participating in progress. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. It's been a busy couple of days, and I didn't feel like sending my notes to the guys back there, so you're just going to have to pay attention the old-fashioned way. Amen? Participating in progress. Look down to verse 6 again, if you will, and we'll start at the very beginning. Notice the starting point in verse 6. Paul says, I have planted. I have planted. Now, obviously, he's describing the part that he played in spreading the word of God. But notice closely the analogy he's giving here. He's giving the analogy of someone who is planting. Now, obviously, the apostle Paul is expecting and desiring there to be fruit. He wants God to bless. But before you can get to the fruit, you've got to do some preparing, correct? Uh, If you want to pick some apples in your backyard in the next two or three years, you better go either plant a seed or buy a tree and get it in the ground now. There are preparations that have to be made if you want to make progress, and that's number one tonight. Notice the preparation. The preparation. Now, Paul is desiring fruit. So what did he do? He says, I have planted. Now, do you know tonight, look, this is simple stuff, but I believe sometimes we trip over the simple stuff. 
The reason we don't have the participation that we should in our church, whether it's in our giving or in our missions or in our soul winning or the bus ministry or the college ministry or the sunshine ministry, whatever ministry it is in our church, that we lack the participation that we should have and that we could have, oftentimes we lack that participation simply because there's no preparation. You've got to prepare for that. I bet you you'll find over the course of a day you accomplish most of the things that you prepare for. Think about it. You accomplish most of the things you prepare for. Give an example. Uh, One day I want to run a half marathon, okay? I really do. One day I want to run a half marathon, kind of a bucket list thing. I used to love to run in in, in high school and enjoyed that. Uh, But I want you to understand something. I haven't made any progress in that desire. Now, those of you that are laughing, you'll get yours later. No, I'm picking. You're laughing because, you know, that's something that's not just going to happen, is it? Uh, look, I might better just start off with that mile run walk they have here in Hattiesburg, you know, during, during uh, Hubfest or something like that. But I'd love to do a half marathon. But I haven't made much progress. You know why I haven't made much progress? Because I haven't made any preparations. I went to Chick-fil-A this morning for breakfast. Sure did. And then I went to a Chinese restaurant for lunch. That's not very good preparation. You're not going to find me participating in a half marathon anytime soon. You know why? Because I'm making no preparations for it. Can I tell you that's why we don't find ourselves doing the will of God? That's why we don't find ourselves magically being transported onto a bus route? That's why we don't find ourselves accidentally going soul winning. Look, you're not going to have participation if you don't include some preparation where you decide, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I want to be one of those who see someone get saved or a family come ride the church bus and become cornerstone members of Central Baptist Church all because somebody knocked on their door. It's not magically going to happen. There's got to be some preparation put into it if we desire to see God work through us. That's participation. If you want to see participation, you've got to have preparation. I looked out my door the other day, uh, and my neighbor was taking advantage of this warm weather. Uh, Don't get too excited about it. It'll be cold tomorrow. Um, But he was taking advantage of this warm weather, and sure enough, it feels like spring. It really does. I've noticed the bees have begun to buzz outside. It's kind of getting that Easter feel in the air. And I looked out at my neighbor two yards over, and he was running his tiller in the backyard. Now, why do you reckon he was doing that? You reckon he had an ant mound out there, and he's like, I'm fixing to show you guys. He's going to break out the old Troy built, and he runs over them ants, and he runs them. You reckon that's what he was doing? He's just tilling up his backyard because he's going to root out all of the fire ants that are there. I don't know if that would work, but I don't think that's what he was doing. Do you know what I think he was doing? I think he was preparing for a garden. I think at some point in the summer, he probably wants some squash. I hope he shares them with his neighbor. I hope, I hope I have a good neighbor, you know, like State Farm. I hope I have a good neighbor. He's going to bring me some squash. I love fried squash. Maybe if I'm preparing for the marathon, that'll be baked squash. But squash is squash, amen? He was tilling up his yard in preparation for something that he wanted in the future. Now, here's Paul. What is Paul doing? He's planting He's preparing for the will of God that he desires to be done. There's fruit that he wants, and so he's preparing for it right now. Paul says, I want to participate in the reaping. Don't we all? I want to participate in the reaping. Sometimes I get bummed out. I'll be honest with you. I live in a flesh body. Oh, wretched man that I am. 
And I live in a flesh body, and I will witness to someone and witness to someone and witness to someone. And then somebody like Brother Michael will come up for the first time, knock on their door, and lead them to Christ. I get so aggravated. Like, what? Man, I worked with that guy. I answered all of his questions, and he looks at Brother Michael. Sir, what must I do to be saved? Why couldn't you do that when I was there, you know? Because I, I would have taken pride in it and put him in the back of my soul winner's New Testament. Yeah, got another one there. All of us want to reap, right? We all want to be a part of the harvest. We all look forward to participating in the harvest, but that begins with participating in the preparation. That, hey, I'm going to do my part in making sure that we have some fruit down the road by preparing for it now. I want to show you why this is important. Bring it to your front door here in just a moment. Hosea, what did the Bible say? The Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, Reap in mercy, listen close, break up thy fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. He's talking about plowing it. Now, here's what's interesting. The verse begins with sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Watch, he's giving the full gamut. Sow and reap. And so he says, how do we do that? You begin by breaking up your fallow ground. You know, if you go out there and you scatter some seeds on top of the ground, inevitably a few will come up, and you may even get some fruit off of that. But, oh, if you want a really good crop, you're going to put in the preparation to have the harvest that you want to be a part of. But you've got to prepare. Pre is the important prefix in that word. I read in the Almanac magazine today. uh, No, it's actually Almanac.com. I was looking for a particular phrase, and I found it. It says, well-prepared soil is the foundation of a healthy garden. Well-prepared soil is the foundation for a healthy garden. That means if you want a great garden with great squash and tomatoes and whatever it is you grow in your garden, you've got to put the work in, the preparation in early. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, the Bible says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. Now let's backtrack. Here's the sluggard. He's in his house. He looks out the window, and there's snow out there. Evidently, he didn't live in the south. (laughs) And he looks out his window, and he says, man, it's cold out there. I don't want to get out of bed. I want to stay under the covers. So the sluggard, the lazy man, does not plow because it's cold. But the Bible says summer's coming. Summer's coming when you want to pick that crop. Summer's coming when you want to participate in the reaping and the harvesting. But the Bible says he's going to beg and have nothing. Why? He didn't prepare. He never put the first seed in the ground. Greatest example of preparation, in my opinion, is John the Baptist. Mark says he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What was he saying? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John was preparing them. Here comes Jesus, the word that was made flesh. Here he comes, and John is plowing the ground, getting the ground ready for Christ to come. What is he doing? He's preparing it. Why? Because he wants a great harvest of souls. And John says, I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to get the ground ready, and you come on in, and you bat clean up, and more souls would come to know Christ. Now, can I tell you something wonderful? Jesus is coming again. I think he's coming soon. It's almost like you and I get to be John the Baptist part two. 
we get to be the forerunners again. We've got to prepare, prepare people, prepare ourselves, prepare our church. And I think tonight, a lot of us are going to be like that slugger. We're going to beg and harvest and have nothing because we did not prepare to participate. The key, notice, if you will, the first word or the first letter of verse 6. The Bible says, I have planted. I have planted. Now, here's where it comes home to us. That's personal. I is a personal pronoun. Now, why is that important? Well, in a church of this size, it's easy to get lost in what we are doing. Man, we are going to support missions this year. Yet, we are going to go to USM. Man, we're going to go into the jails, and we're going to go down to Camp Shelby. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And you can easily slide by in the group. Say, man, look what we're doing in missions. Paul says, this is what I did. Paul says, in order to have the crop, in order to have the harvest that I want to participate in, I had to do my part. Now, folks, understand this. If all of us played our part at Central Baptist Church, I promise you our minds cannot comprehend the wealth of the harvest of what God desires to do if we all played our part. Paul says, I planted. Paul says, I prepared Our missions is coming up real soon. I pray we see progress in our missions this year. I pray we see our missions giving go up this year. Have you begun praying about what God would have you to do at missions? That's preparation. My wife and I have already begun praying. God, what do you want us to do in missions this year? What do you want us more to do in missions this year? That's preparing for what we want to participate in. So number one, quickly, we see the preparation. If you want to participate, you've got to prepare. So he says, I planted. Real quickly, look at the next part. The Bible says, I have planted, planted Apollos watered. So let's go back to the beginning. What are we talking about? Participation. We've all got to participate in the will of God. Look, I encourage you to encourage your children to participate in missions. You're never too young to start having faith. We have faith promised missions here at our church. Well, we pray about what God would have us to give toward missions. I pray about it. My wife prays about it. My daughter prays about it. My daughter, I have no idea what my daughter gives to missions, but she prays about it. And then she trusts God to give her what he told her to give to missions. That's why it's called faith promise missions. You're never too young to have faith. Let's encourage our kids to participate, to play their part. So we have progress through participation. Participation comes through preparation. Now let's follow along. Paul says, I planted, now Apollos watered. Now here's what's neat. The verse says, I planted, and there's no period there. Why? Because it's not over yet. There's a comma there. I planted. And there's a comma means the work's got to continue. Now, just because we start making preparations doesn't mean it's over. It says Apollos watered. So the preparations have got to be maintained. This is number two. How do you maintain your preparations? Through persistence. We see the persistence. It says, I planted, Apollos watered. Now, the neat thing about plants, I've learned this the hard way, is they need water. They need water. I'm thankful that so far, you know, the tree hugger police have not got a law passed yet to where if you kill so many plants, you go to jail. I figure it's coming. I'm going, buddy. I'll be on their top ten. I've killed just about every kind of plant you can imagine. My grandparents and my parents used to have a flower nursery. I'd bring these beautiful plants home and destroy them. It wasn't on purpose. 
Just couldn't keep those things going. You know what happened? I realized you got to water those things regularly. What is that? It's persistence. I was so proud. We um, pulled out of the driveway this morning, and there on our front porch is a little blue spruce that I bought in Montana. A little blue spruce tree, and uh, we had lights on it at Christmas. And I have kept it alive since June. You have no idea what kind of a record that is. I'm, look, I'm sure if that little plant had eyes, it come home and saw the bodies of all the other ones out there in the burn pile that we've killed. And it's thinking, yeah, I'm victim number 574. Man, we've kept it alive. But you know what had to do that thing? It's a temperamental little plant. It's not really supposed to be down here in the south. It's kind of the cold weather plant up there. We had to keep watering and watering and watering. But watch this. Watering shows our dedication to the end product. Watering shows our dedication to the end product. If we're really serious about wanting to participate in the harvest at Central Baptist Church, we're not just going to prepare on Sunday and say, hey, I read my Bible today. All right, Lord, lay it on me. It doesn't happen that way. There's got to be some persistence. And oh, my soul, persistence is just another word for faithfulness. What God is leading us to do and calling us to do is going to only be accomplished by those who have enough faith in the end product to be persistent in the present time. Say, I believe it enough. We have folks in our church. I'm so thankful for our bus ministry. And if you talk to as many people as I did about the bus ministry in Hattiesburg, you'd see why I love it so much. It's hard for me to go a week without running into someone, either knocking on a door, witnessing someone at a gas station that tells me they used to ride the bus to our church down at a Beams conference, running into preachers, pastors, uh, church members who rode the bus to Central Baptist Church. I love that. I'm thankful for that. But all oh, the people who have ridden it for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you know why they're so persistent? Because they believe in the outcome and they want to participate in the harvest. I want to be a part of that. So number one, there's the preparation. Number two, there's got to be some persistence. Galatians 6, 9, we know it well. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. Hey, we know we're doing right. We know what God's called us to do. Hey, let's not be weary. You know what that means? That means be persistent. Don't give up. Don't quit. Be persistent. Why? For in due season we shall reap. There's that harvest again. If we faint not, that means we can't quit. Someone said persistence is like wrestling a gorilla. You don't quit when you're tired. You quit when he's tired. That's what persistence is. Look, the will and the work of God, it's not easy. That's why it's called the work of the ministry. But oh, if we're persistent, we have a promise from Almighty God. Look, I'm thankful I don't have to promise you of what I will do if you live right. Because my promises don't always hold water. But we've been promised by one who the word of God says is faithful He's faith, faithful is he that has promised. He's going to accomplish it. He's going to fulfill it. But we got to be persistent. And say, you know what? What God's called me to do this year in missions, I'm going to be faithful and persistent. I'm just going to keep watering it and watering it and watering it. Why? Because my God promised that if I'll just keep on sowing, that one day I'll reap if we faint not. I want to ask you a question tonight. If you were just as persistent with your job, as you are your faith, would you have a job? Won't you think about that? If you were just as persistent with your job and your church attendance as you are uh, with your faith, listen, would you have a job? 
Or would they say, you know what? Look, you don't come in enough. You don't show up enough. Look, I can't count on you. I can't depend on you. I hate to tell you, oftentimes I'd have been fired. God would have fired me a long time ago. Think about it this way. If you, if you added to your bank account as much as you add to your faith, would you have any balance? If you added to your bank account as faithfully and persistently as you add to your faith, isn't that what the Word of God tells us to do? Add to our faith. And it gives us a long list of things to add to our faith. If we add it to our bank account, we say, you know what? I'm only going to deposit money into my bank account when I add to my faith. Would we have any money in our bank account or would we be overdrawn? I think the church today is just about overdrawn. Why? We're not persistent anymore. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, I press toward the mark. I love the word press there. You know what that means? I'm persistent. I'm pushing. I'm pushing. You ever had to push the will of God through in your life? You got to work at it. You got to make it happen. Why did Paul say, I was pressing? He says, for the prize. I press toward the mark for the prize. Paul says, I'm not going through all of this for nothing. Paul says, I'm doing this because I have a promise for God that on the other end of this thing, I can reap if I faint not. Now, folks, let's quit fainting. I know that life has given us a lot to faint about in the last two years, a lot to be weary about in the last two years. But I promise you, God is offering us more on the end uh, when we be persistent than the world's offering us not to be persistent. Oh, the trade is, is unimaginable. But we've got to be persistent. Now, the Bible tells us in James, I'm going to read this for you real quick and give you the last point. The Bible tells us in James, there's a principle about wisdom I want you to see. James chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Some of us ought to make that our life's verse right there. That giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Watch verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now verse 7 is the one that needs to hit home with you. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. There's wisdom to be had. I'm thankful for that. There is a harvest to be had that God wants for us. God says you can have it. He says there's wisdom. You can have it. Ask your father for it. But the Bible says that when you ask for it, you ask in faith. Faith is short for faithfully. God has promised us so much that he desires to do and that he can do and will do through us. But our problem is we waver. We waver. We get excited about the theme in January, and by February, we're out of gas. Why? Because Brother Jeremiah just hasn't impressed me very much with his messages. Newsflash, you've had two and a half years to figure that one out. Man, I just, you know, I just can't get involved in it. You know, so-and-so, they didn't invite me to sing in the choir and all this, and you quit on God. The Bible says, let not that man think he shall receive anything. In and out, on and off, halfway. No, God says, you ask in faith. That means faithfully. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can't see what the harvest is going to be for 2022, whether it's missions, whether it's in church growth, whether it's in soul safe. We don't know what the harvest is going to be, but the one who's promised us says, hey, it's good if you'll just have faith to reach the end. But we waver. We're not persistent. So number one, how do we make progress? Well, it's through participation. Paul shows us in verse 6. I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. So here's the progress. This is a progression of events. It begins with participation. Paul says, I prepared the ground. 
all right, preparation. And then we see Apollos, he's persistent. He keeps watering it and watering it and watering it. Now watch the outcome real quickly. Verse 6, the Bible says, but God gave the increase. But God gave the increase. Number three, I want you to see the priority. The priority. The culmination of the preparation and the culmination of the persistence shows us at the very end God working. The priority is that God would do what only God could do. You know, with all of our preparation and all of our persistence, without God, we equal nothing. We can work and we can study and we can pray and we can give. All of our preparation and all of our persistence will equal nothing if God doesn't show up. We sang it just a moment ago. Brethren, we have met to worship. Man, we can come and we can sing and open our Bible and we can pray all night long. What do the songs say? All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. What does that mean? It means nothing's happening if God doesn't give the increase. The priority of Central Baptist Church ought to be this year that we are going to do our best to prepare and to be persistent so that the priority of God doing what only God could do would come to pass. Now, here's two parts of this, and I'm done. The first part of that verse, of that last part, gives me relief because I don't have to bring conviction. I don't have to save people. I just be obedient and go plant the seed. Aren't you glad? That you don't have to talk them into heaven. You don't have to bring conviction upon their heart. The word of God will do that. And so it gets the load off of our shoulders. God's going to do the hard part. He is going to do the one, be the one, giving the power, giving the increase. But here comes the burden. Boy, this ought to hit us like a ton of bricks tonight. What if God giving the increase is contingent upon us preparing and being persistent? So many times I was thinking about today, I was trying to list them all before service and I ran out of time. All throughout scripture, do you know what I see God doing? I see God waiting. I see God waiting. Look at the children of Israel. God had a promised land for them. And the, for the Christian, it's the promised life. It's not heaven. It's the promised life that God's prepared for us. And God says, oh, look, you have no idea what I have for you. It may not be a Ferrari. It may not be a 5,000-square-foot house. But, oh, can I tell you what God has is so much better than those earthly things that we're going to leave behind. And God says, I have so much prepared for you like the children of Israel. And yet he waited and he waited and he waited and they never did what they needed to do to see God work. They missed it. God was waiting on them. Look at the Laodicean church. What does he tell them? He says, you think you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Read it. He says, you're, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind. He says, you're not what you think you are. And he says, I counsel thee, buy of me. Buy of me. He says, I have what you're looking for. And now we see God looking at the Laodicean church. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Buy of me. Buy of me. I've got what you're looking for. All through Scripture, we see God waiting on his people. And I believe with all of my heart, at this very moment, at this juncture in time, God is once again waiting on us. He says, oh, 
I could give the increase. Well, you don't understand. We're, listen, we're in the latest in church age, the great falling away. I mean, we're in the gleaning of the harvest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear all of that from the pessimists that are out there. It doesn't mean the will of God doesn't go on and the power of God is still available and the increase of God still desires to come our way. The problem is we're not doing our part to plant and prepare and to be persistent to water in order for God to do what only God could do. If we just did what God says we were supposed to do, I promise you, God would do what only God could do. And yet we're not preparing. We're just sitting there waiting. God says, I'm, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. What are you doing to prepare for the harvest that God says we could have? What are you doing? What part are you playing? Participation. He says, here's a progression of events. I had a part. Apollos had a part. But most importantly, God had a part, and God gave the increase. But what if God is waiting on us? What if God is waiting on us? Now, folks, I do believe he's coming back very soon. But I still believe all the resources of God are still available. All the promises of God are still good. They're kind of like coupons that don't expire if we're just willing to cash them in. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you very simply, is God waiting on you to play your part? Is God, I'm talking about Central Baptist Church, all right? I'm not talking about in general speaking of the world. Is God waiting on you to play your part? What piece of the wall do you have there at Nehemiah's wall? Well, this guy did this and this guy did this. Look, one guy couldn't rebuild the whole wall, but everybody participated. And oh, God worked. What I'd love to see, this is personal. You don't have to listen. What I'd love to see before the Lord comes back, is I'd love to see him move one more time. One more time. I get jealous at all the books I have in my office, the Welsh Revival, the revivals that happened in this country 150 years ago. I get a little jealous thinking, boy, I wish we could see that again. I wish we could see God work. You say, well, look, political correctness and uh, the politicians and all of that. Do you honestly think that could stop a move of God? For real? This is the one who parted the Red Sea, who raised up Lazarus, had a guy swallowed by a whale and then spit him out on the ground. It's the same God. And if God could do all of that, God can work in the midst of our circumstances if we're just willing to do our part. I'll make you a promise based on God's promise, not mine. If we will do our part and prepare Okay, I'm going to start making preparations to do what God's called me to do here at Central Baptist Church. And then I'm going to be persistent. I'm not going to be halfway in. I'm not going to be a wavering Christian. We're not going to receive anything of God if we waver in 2022. We have God's promise on that. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of God. God says, I just want you to stick it out a little bit. Don't get your feelings hurt this year. Be faithful this year. And oh, watch what I'll do. Why? Because God keeps his promises. Progress through participation. Can I ask you tonight, are you ready to play your part? Are you ready to play your part? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.